0: She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is
1: Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
2: America will always choose independence and cooperation over global governance.
3: He's redoing all of these negotiations so for the first time, Americans aren't suffering. It's fair for America. And the countries know Mm -hmm. that it's unfair. They know it has to change. They don't like it but they know he's
1: right. The truth is, I've never sexually assaulted anyone in high school or otherwise.
4: We did not receive from the documents that they sent in any information or the results of the lie detector test that had been mentioned in the Washington Post, and we didn't receive uh, the notes from the therapist that had also been referenced in the Washington Post.
1: And now, Stacey Washington.
5: Welcome to the program, Stacy Washington. I'm also the co-chair for National Center's Project 21 Advisory Council, and I'm happy to report I'm this year's Journalist of the Year for the Second Amendment Foundation. So fantastic to be with you today. Find out more at urbanfamilytalk.com, afr.net, stacyontheright.com, and Twitter feeds hither and yon. Welcome to the program. We are going to be speaking with very shortly Cassie Smittle of the RNC. She's a national spokesperson there. She's going to come on and give us um, some updates on current events, but specifically, we'll be talking a little bit about the Kavanaugh. It's just it's an ongoing cycle, and I've I've I just skimmed the information about the newest accusers because if 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 there were really that many accusers, wouldn't they have come forward ten years ago, or five years ago, or even three months ago? ...when he became under consideration for the Supreme Court. Why are they only coming forward now? Sounds like the same pylon they executed on Herman Cain... ...and we should not stand for it. So uh, we're also going to be talking today a little bit about Beto O'Rourke. I wish we could just use his regular name instead of this made-up name. Uh, Mr. O'Rourke lied about a DUI that he actually participated in. He tried to leave the scene of the accident... And even the liberals are crying foul over the fact that he's just not telling the truth about it. So the big show for today, though, and yesterday has really been, aside from Kavanaugh, has been President Trump's amazing performance at the United Nations. He's in rare form. It's as if the all the rallies with, the you know, 30,000 people here, 20,000 there— It's just got him revved up and he's in rare form. He's talking about his country in ways that we haven't heard presidents speak about our country since Ronald Reagan. And I'm not going to lie. I like it. I like it a lot. I like to see a leader of something, whether it's a company or a not-for-profit or a family, I like to see that leader speak about the organization or group that they're leading in a very strong and positive way. To me, that indicates good leadership. You're... Obviously, you feel good about the organization you're leading. And instead of going out and bad mouthing it and down talking it to others, you go out and you say, oh, yeah, you know, we got stuff we're working on. But here's what we've been able to accomplish. And oh, by the way, we're autonomous. We're going to be you know, we're we're going to have our national sovereignty. We're going to take care of ourselves. And Trump's comments in this area, they haven't wavered. It's nothing new that he said at the U.N. It's just that it was new that he said it at the at the U.N., it's new that people who sat there and heard their countries taken to task still had enough respect for Donald Trump for being really honest and off the cuff that afterwards they really wanted to spend time with him. And he spent time with the delegates. He actually hosted the delegates in an event, which, I again, this is outside of what you have to do. It's outside of the normal protocol. It's extra. And we all know how we love it when someone is extra with us. Don't you love it when someone who doesn't have to invite you out or include you in on a lunch or, or something like that includes you. Don't you love it when someone who's in a position of authority, who doesn't have to spend extra time going around and shaking hands at a luncheon or something like that, they could just leave quickly and, you know, leave some people who work for them to kind of make the rounds and pass out cards. When that person takes the time to spend that time with you, all of the assertions that president Trump is mentally unfit or that he's got all these problems, Don't hold the smell test. They they can't hold water. And you know why? Because mentally ill people don't want to stand around and make small talk because they're afraid they're going to be found out. Mentally ill people don't want to do big, huge speeches at rallies and then also go address the UN. Remember, we have an entire functioning cabinet and individuals who can step out and speak on behalf of the president. So, again, I really appreciate it when... You know, if you're going to come at me, come at me with your facts and your information, bring your charts and your graphs and all of your statistics and data and let's have at it. Let's go toe to toe and back and forth and let's see who's right. And if the Democrats were doing that with President Trump, it would be totally I, I can deal with that. That's what I can deal with, because then we're dealing in truth and fiction. We're dealing in yes or no. We're dealing with right or wrong. Absolutes. You can figure things out. You can see where, yeah, you may have that perspective, but the truth is these statistics show that Americans want this. These 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 are what Americans have been voting for. This is et cetera, et cetera. Quantitative data. And if the Democrats would just take some time to build some of that up and come at the president with that, I think you would see the entire country breathe a sigh of relief and think, oh, so we really are still a country. We really are still a nation of laws and not men. We really are still a place where the rule of law means something instead of a place where any made up accusation can be used to destroy you and your family and derail an entire process that up until this point has functioned relatively normally, except for the Clarence Thomas and and uh, Bork nominations. We've seen, you know, pr- pretty decent behavior at least from the right. Not from not from the left. And so speaking of the UN, President Trump was in the process of discussing kind of kind of like an update, like here's where the nation stands under my leadership. And he was not pulling any punches. He was talking about the roaring economy and the low number of people who are without jobs. And he said that the country is doing better than it has basically ever. <laughs> now, you may say that's an exaggeration. I mean, I, I think it's up for interpretation, but he, I, he clearly wasn't going to come up and say, we're just doing fine or we're doing okay or we're doing all right. No, he went up there and he got blustery and he got real. And the people in the room, they laughed. And so the media is saying, oh, they laughed at him. They were mocking him. It didn't sound like that to me. Early this morning when I, when I heard the clip and I, I actually posted it on Facebook, I thought, this sounds like they're having fun. The, the entire room, they laughed. And then he said, oh, it's true.
6: <laughs>
5: Straight off the teleprompter. He was not on teleprompter. He's like, oh, it's true. And they just they continued to kind of laugh a little bit like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And then he went on with the speech. I love it when the, the proof is the what you can hear audibly. What if you watch the video, you can see that the it's it's not a it's it's not derision. Laughter of derision sounds different than kind of laughter in acknowledgement and and being in the moment. So here is that audio and you judge for yourself. Um, it, it's number three.
2: Madam President, Mr. Secretary General, world leaders, ambassadors, and distinguished delegates, one year ago, I stood before you for the first time in this grand hall. I addressed the threats facing our world, and I presented a vision to achieve a brighter future for all of humanity. Today, I stand before the United Nations General Assembly to share the extraordinary progress we've made. In less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. America's so true. Didn't expect that
5: reaction but that's okay so he's talking about it right he's talking about America he's like we've achieved some pretty fantastic stuff better than the entire history of this country and some people in the audience were like really and that's that's pretty bold and then he's like oh it's true. That's when they broke out laughing because they're like, "This guy is too much," and we've all been there. You've been there in the audience when someone says something and you're like, "You can't." The reaction is instant, and then they kind of look back at you like, "Prove me wrong," and then you, you, in acknowledgement of their boldness, (laughs) you share a moment with the audience. That's good public speaking, actually, if you can. Uh, engender goodwill in your audience by getting them to laugh. It it diffuses the tension and it kind of sets the stage for what they can expect. Even if they hear things they don't like, they're more predisposed to enjoying your speech because you made them laugh. And this is a gift that Donald Trump has. And I know that people hate him and there's all this, you know, and I know there's all you have to do is say his name. And some people just they they're triggered to the point of being unable to function. And if that's you, you know, you can let it go. Like, you don't have to live your life that way. It's, it's not that serious. We've survived Obama. You will survive Trump. But I just thought it was so, it was just such a nice moment. And, and with the contentious nature of the relations between many of the delegates, their countries, and our country, and the fact that, you know, the, a lot of these countries, they don't like America because all of their citizens want to live in America. They don't like America because we export a lot of really horrible entertainment content, a lot of sexual deviancy and really just, you know, depravity. We export it and we put it on the Internet and then they get it in their countries and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Because they're like, why are you know, why are the Americans putting out this content? And goodness only knows, sin, it's a terrible thing and we really have to fight against it. But. In whole and all in all, it's not really when, when you're listening to someone speak. Yes, it's about all of that. But then again, it's not. And the reason it's not is because in public speaking, you can get people who may not agree with you at all to at least listen to you if you can make them laugh. And that's what happened there. So he went on to talk about America first. And I love this part like this is this should be your anthem. If you were a rock star, this should be the music you come out to. These words, this thought process, this idea, you dance with the one who brought you. If you don't love America, there's 194 other countries you could immigrate to. Renouncing your citizenship is a very cheap prospect. You don't have to be here. But if you are here, then you should know who buttered your bread, who bought it, who baked it, who put it in front of you. And once you've got that realization, you've Thank your Lord and Savior that you get to live here, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're black or Asian or Hispanic. If you're here legally and this is your country of citizenship, you should be praising God that you're a citizen of this country and you get to have the beauty and really it's a gift of the society of other Americans as flawed And backward and horrible as we can sometimes be, you better be glad you're living here and you have citizenship here rather than Rwanda or Iran or even Saudi Arabia, which I've been to, and I think it's a beautiful country, but I would never want to be a citizen there. Even the westernized country, Germany, you can't own your own guns. Great Britain, you can't defend yourself in your own home. You better be glad you're an American instead of sitting up talking bad about this country and all of us and how we well, this is just a horrible place. Well, then get out. So listen to him describe this American first concept. It's number four.
2: America's economy is booming like never before. Since my election, we've added $10 trillion in wealth. The stock market is at an all-time high in history, and jobless claims are at a 50-year low. African-American, Hispanic-American, and Asian American unemployment have all achieved their lowest levels ever recorded. We've added more than four million new jobs, including half a million manufacturing jobs. We have passed the biggest tax cuts and reforms in American history. We've started the construction of a major border wall, and we have greatly strengthened border security. We have secured record funding for our military, $700 billion this year and $716 billion next year. Our military will soon be more powerful than it has ever been before. In other words, the United States is stronger, safer, and a richer country than it was when I assumed office less than two years ago.
5: Okay, so, yeah, dance with the one who brought you or find somebody else to dance with. It's your choice. But if you're going to complain, do it in your head. Stop acting like this is the worst place on the planet because it's not. It's the best place. And you're just glad to be here. You're blessed to be here. Come on now. You know, I'm telling the truth. We'll be back with more after this.
4: Good news. You are not stuck with your health care plan. Really? You have a choice and it's a great one. It's called Medishare and if you've heard about it and wondered what exactly it is, it's a way that people share their healthcare bills and these are people who have a common faith, who want to be part of something beautiful that not only meets their healthcare needs but the needs of others too and it's people who love to save money big time. Medishare members typically save $500 a month per family on their healthcare costs. That is a life changer for people. So this could be for you. Maybe it's what you've been looking for, a way to pay healthcare bills that's not only very smart financially but it's even profound. Medishare is a nonprofit with 400,000 members nationwide who pray for and share with each other. So yes, you're not stuck. There's another way and it could save you a lot. Hit star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star
0: 345. Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with the Legacy Moment. I have a friend who has suffered with depression. He experienced rejection and horrible abuse as a child. Although he's a grown man now, still from time to time this dark pain revisits him with a vengeance. Sometimes he cries uncontrollably and finds it difficult to be around others or even to get out of bed. He's gotten some wonderful help and God is ministering to him through others and through his word. You know, life can land some pretty severe blows. In the Scriptures, David the psalmist, the great warrior of God, the greatest king Israel ever had, there's an abundant evidence he struggled from time to time with despair. Listen to Psalm 6, verses 6 through 10. David says, "'I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries.' Depart from me, all who do iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They shall suddenly be ashamed. I believe David is giving us some keys, some insights into how to turn from despair toward hope. First of all, we need to experience and acknowledge the reality of our pain. Secondly, we need to deal with any areas of personal sin and negative influences, which is found in verse 8. And then thirdly, we need to rest in the realization that God has heard our prayer. Here's what I want you to remember today. God loves you. He cares about you. He hasn't given up on you. And don't you give up on yourself or on God. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and
1: Urban Family Talk.
5: Hello. Welcome to the program. We are right now just going through. Um, we're waiting for our guest to call in. We have Cassie Smettle of the RNC joining us. Uh, As we wait for her, I want to get to clip number seven, and we have, um, I didn't think we'd have time because we ran out of time in the first segment, but this is Ambassador Nikki Haley. Now, remember, she used to be a governor, and now she's the ambassador to the UN, and she has been superb. As ambassador to the UN, she has taken foreign nations that are violators of human rights and really people who have no room to talk about America. But they've been sitting up talking about us on the UN Security Council. She has been a staunch defender of Israel. She smacked those individuals down who would attack our ally in the Mid-East, Middle East. And above all those things, she's doing this in the Me Too era, which means as a woman, she should be getting extra credit for that. Now, I personally think that you should look at someone and hold them to a standard that is equal for all. So if it's a man, if it's a woman, whatever the job they're doing, they're either doing a good job or they're not. It's not good for a woman or good for a black person. It's just good. They're either doing a good job or they're not. And so when I hear people, um, you know, talk about Nikki Haley, which is rare, the the news media just acts like she doesn't exist. Just as they did with Condoleezza Rice, who was also an exemplary person in her in her job when she was working in uh, the Bush White House. It's pretty amazing that she's not getting more recognition like the, Why doesn't she have those rock star T-shirts where it's just three colors and, you know, it's like her profile and all that stuff. Why? Why do we not see that with her? She's killing it. She's doing a fantastic job. So here she is. She's talking about this portrayal of the U.N. laughter that ensued after Donald Trump cracked that little joke. She says the media has got this so wrong. It's number seven the media's got this so wrong i deal with these leaders every single
3: day i know exactly how they think do they love america no do they respect america now they do when he said that they love how honest he is and it's not diplomatic and they find it funny i mean when he goes and he is very truthful they kind of are taken back by it they're they're not used to it but let me tell you all day yesterday they were falling over themselves to get a picture with him mm-hmm. to talk about how great his speech was how strong it was whether he said good things about them or not they love that he's honest with them mm-hmm. and they've never seen anything like it and so there's a respect there it's i saw that the media was trying to make it something disrespectful that's not what it mm-hmm. was they love to be with him that's the only time you'll see that entire chamber standing room
5: on and so if they thought he was a joke or mentally incompetent or someone that couldn't hold his own, wouldn't they not show up? That's usually what people do. If they think you don't have anything of value to say, they just won't show up. Remember, we talked about that yesterday with Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 11.9. People didn't show up to watch that because they did. not First of all, they weren't interested. And second of all, considering the source and the previous documentaries, They could just turn their TVs on and get much fresher content than something he wrote or or put together, you know, years and years ago. I mean, it's just it's just what it is. So when we're looking at what she just said and how the media would love to portray it as this big mock fest at the U.N. When in reality, if you're mocking someone, you don't want your picture taken with them afterwards. You don't you don't need to do anything more than get your laugh on and then, you know, leave the space if you even show up. So it doesn't hold water. Of course, you have to listen to American Family Radio to get the true perspective on what's going on because the mainstream media just has something else that they can hit the president with. And I think it's fine for them, again, attack on the issues, attack on, you know, the economy if if, if that's something you feel you can get somewhere on. Any of that stuff works. This present way of attacking him where it's just all about his personal attributes, that doesn't. That doesn't fly, and I'm interested obviously in um, being the the absolute like we we should hold our elected officials accountable. I've talked about how I don't like the uh, omnibus spending packages that have been going through that fund Planned Parenthood and they really don't cut the budget, and it's just a spending free for all that's going on, but there's a lot for us to be really happy about with this presidency. And so we comment on the good, we comment on the bad, and we go forward from there. Um, you know, the president's spending a lot of time today with these world leaders, and he's creating relationships, and he's building on what happened last year at the, the uh, U.N. General Assembly, and he's doing that. And remember, this is all happening in New York City on land that we as a country donated to the U.N. decades ago. And so they have their property here. It's largely funded by us. And when I say largely, we're the largest funder. So, you know, we're, we, we have a lot of skin in the game here. And I understand the movement to remove the, um, the UN or, you know, to extricate ourselves from it. But I also understand how important it is while we're still a part of it and while we're still sending them so many billions of dollars for us to be there and for us to make a positive impact, as only America can do. As only America can do. So let's go to uh, our guest. We have Cassie Smittle, RNC National Spokeswoman. Thank you so much, Cassie, for joining the show today. Hey, Stacey, great to be with you. Hey, it's good to talk to you. I, I'm, I'm clearly, I'm disturbed by the events of the day, and we have so much to talk about. Um, obviously, we can talk about the UN General Assembly and all of the inroads that the president is making and reorienting our, our kind of world stature, our posture within the UN. Nikki Haley has done a fantastic job and the president is kind of capping all of that off with whipped cream, nuts, and a cherry as he speaks to them and makes them laugh and kind of builds all of these relationships. That's what he's doing these, these couple of days here.
7: That's right. And I think they're not quite used to hearing an American president who comes here and touts the great achievements of not just this administration, but of our country. Mm-hmm. I think they're used to the days of Barack Obama who would come and tout all of these country's achievements, whether friend or foe. And I love Nikki Haley this morning at Conor on Fox and Friends saying, you know, I deal with these folks all the time. And they aren't used to having a president come in and speak honestly about his own country and um And so that's why they're sort of chuckling, because that doesn't sound normal to them. But I love that our president, regardless of where he is, never misses an opportunity to talk about the greatness that is America. And um, so whether that's something that gives them a chuckle or something they're not used to, I'm glad he doesn't uh, shy away from doing
5: it. You know, I think it's great. Um, you you mm-hmm. know this because you speak not just on television, but all, you know nationally you speak. You're, in, you're a spokesperson. That's your actual title. You're a communicator. Uh, one of the best modes of setting the stage for a conversation is to intentionally or unintentionally crack a joke so that your audience laughs. So whether or not they're on the same page as you or they agree with what you're going to talk about, they've laughed and the tension is gone. And now they're open and receptive to hearing what you have to say.
7: That's right. I love how when he noticed they were sort of chuckling, he acknowledged it. And I think that shows that somebody who's really good at being in touch with, not just his audience, but in a conversation, he acknowledges it. He sort of smirks and laughs himself, says, I wasn't expecting that response, but that's okay. It's true. (laughs) And they all laugh more. And now, okay, we've kind of broken the ice and now you're ready to hear everything I'm about to say. I'm not going to shy away from that. I'm going headstrong into talking Uh, about the achievements of my administration, the achievements of our country, and why uh, if you're with us, we're going to be a great friend to you. But if you're not with us and you don't want to treat us fairly, that's going to be a problem for you. And I think uh, he delivered that message loud and clear and very
5: well. I thought, you know, so first of all, he had a difficult speech to give. Now that we've heard it, we know that he didn't pull any punches. He was very clear. He laid out only two options. Instead of a thousand options or having it your way like at Burger King, it's two options. You can be our friend, and you will love it. You will love our friendship. It will be so good to you. It'll be the best friendship you've ever had. To, to quote Donald Trump, it will be outstanding. That it will be huge. Like it, yeah, it, it will be awesome. Or... You cannot be our friend and it will not be good for you. It'll be so horrible for you. You'll wish you'd never been born. You just don't want to be there, but it's up to you. And then from there, he really, when I say he he, he touted America, I think after eight years of Barack Obama apologizing mm-hmm. for this country and really highlighting anything that was wrong in this country, like other countries don't have problems, they. Mm-hmm. I think they really were thinking, what did he, did he say ever? Did he say it's the best they've done ever? They, they were surprised. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, my goodness. That's bold.
7: <laughs> I know. And yet we're over here going, yeah, that's right. That sounds right. I'm feeling pretty good about things. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's right. They're not used to hearing it. And, you know, you can tell that he has a good rapport uh, personally with a lot of these leaders. And I think that's because even countries, I, I think of Emmanuel Macron from France, that they clearly have a great rapport. I think they're friends. But he's very clear, too, about saying we are friends. Our countries are great allies, our longest allies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got to make sure that we're still having a mutually beneficial relationship and friendship. Um, and so that's why I'm taking a hard look at these things, that these agreements that we've been engaged in, because I think for too long people have just said, oh, France, they're our friends, they're fine, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, now, wait a minute, does this still work as well for both sides? Um, and I think Macron gets that. It's interesting to me that people would say, you know, how dare he – Um, threaten our relationship with Canada or with France or you name it. And yet these leaders actually seem to be saying, okay, fair enough. We're going to keep talking to you. They don't back away from us. They need us. They love us. I think they Mm -hmm. like President Trump and they like the results he's getting. And I think about this got barely any coverage, but last week up in Canada, um, people were telling President Trudeau, hey, you need to get back in there and finish our part of the North American free trade agreement deal. We don't want Mexico getting everything. So get in there, even though he wanted to stomp his feet and walk away from the president because he didn't like his (laughs) tactics or his personality, whatever. And it barely got any coverage. But he's really um, on the hot seat up there to get a deal done because people know it is far better for you when you are on America's side and America is on your side.
5: And and really just to be in the deal, if you're not, Mm -hmm. if you don't have a deal at all. Cassie, are they even at the table? They're not at the table. So Mexico's at the table and almost every other country on the planet's at the table that countries that matter, mm-hmm. countries that have c- currency that trades internationally. And then there's Canada sitting off to the side with their 3,000% dairy and all that. I mean, it must be some good mm-hmm. milk, but that's not going to, to you know, pass muster when Canadians want American products. And we Americans, we can have Canadian products or we can not have Canadian products. We have Amazon. We'll have whatever we want. We'll get it from somewhere. So I... I think it's interesting also, Cassie, that, you know, so I guess we all have had a relationship like this or maybe we still do have one where it's a business relationship and the person themselves is not maybe our favorite person or maybe, you know, the chemistry is not quite there, but it's the business side that you want. So you're willing to, you know, work with this person Regardless of their personality, because you need to do the business, you know, it's business that needs to be done. So you're not going to marry this person. You're not maybe going to have a book club with this person or do a weekly (laughs) luncheon with this person, but you're going to do business with them as long as you can make deals that work. And I, I think it's really short sighted and kind of immature for people to say. Well, we can't change our deal with Canada or Germany or, or Great Britain mm-hmm. because, you know, they won't be our friend anymore. They won't deal with us anymore. They're going to deal with us. They're going to deal with the number one economy on the face of this planet. They're going to deal with the chief exporter of culture and entertainment on this planet. There's no way they're not going to deal with us. The question is, what kind of deal will it be? And I, this is a businessman. Just, he's just really doing the thing he's been trained to do for 40 plus years in the private sector. And I'm so grateful that he's bringing it. Like... Can can I just sit in on a couple of the negotiation meetings? I just want to sit in and listen and just hear how it's done. Like he I think people should really offer some respect in this area because they're so critical in other areas where the president is not political and he doesn't present himself as a traditional Republican. How about giving him some credit on the business side? He's really doing well here. I could not agree with you more. I
7: know I want to sit in there and and take notes. I guess we can just read this book. But I think all of that goes to you talk about people say, oh, personality, I may not like you, but from a business perspective, I'll work with you. Conversely, we had Barack Obama for eight years, who was Mr. Celebrity and Mr. Diplomat. And we got horrible deals or horrible deals persisted under his watch. And now what you see with President Trump, I think, again, this was Nikki Haley saying, they may not like us, but they respect us. And that's all we need. Um, we're not out there to be BFFs and get miscongeniality Congeniality awards from the world. We are out there to fight for Americans, but America first. And, and that's not to say that we're sticking our head in the sand and ignoring the world around us. That's what liberals want us to think that means or want to say that that means. That means that we're just going out there and making sure that our uh, interests are being taken care of and The good news for the rest of the world is that, generally speaking, our interests are of mutual benefit to so many of our friends and future friends Mm -hmm. around the world. So it's advantageous for everyone to come to the table and work with us.
5: It is. So we have about a minute left, and I just want to get your quick take on whether or not Chairman Grassley should continue to entertain these ridiculous claims that are being made against Judge Kavanaugh, a very honorable man who is being smeared. Mm -hmm. Should he just hold the vote and ignore all of this, or is he obligated to, to follow through on this? Well, I
7: think first, you know, Chairman Grassley has done as good of a job as he possibly can to try and make a fair and open process as fair to both sides. Um, But here's what we know is that Democrats, even Mika Brzezinski said this, the Democrats are continually moving the goalposts. There's nothing we can do that's going to make them say, that Chairman Grassley, he really did this the right way. No, that's not the point. The whole point they're bringing this up is to wreak havoc amongst the process. They don't really have a a genuine interest in uh, getting it to an outcome or getting all the facts. They just want to uh cause hay. So I think Chairman Grassley's gonna we should go ahead with the planned hearing tomorrow. We should go ahead with the vote on Friday. And I appreciate that Mitch McConnell is going to work his wonders with the Senate clock. He's always very good at um working the procedure at the Senate and get this full vote done as quickly as possible. I think, you know, I try not to spend too much time on Twitter. It's just not good for your health. Mm -hmm. But I do see uh, even people that you would naturally assume to be on the other side, on the Democrat side for this, or just generally on the side of, we have to hear every allegation in full and investigations, what have you, are going, you know, there's just something about this timing. This just seems highly coordinated. I think we're getting away from, Truth here, and this is all politics. And I think that's telling. And I think more people need to be talking about that.
5: Mm. Thank you so much, Cassie. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, Cassie Smettle, RNC National Spokeswoman. Have a great evening. Thanks, Casey. Thank you. Okay, and uh, we'll be back with more right after this.
6: Physical activity is the new trend. It's not a bad thing unless it has brought a sense of vanity in your life. Two years ago, I was not happy with the number on the scale, nor how I looked. I've never been a huge person, but I was, as the old folks would say, healthy. <laughs> I joined a gym, gained a personal trainer, even changed some of my eating habits. The Lord checked me one day and in my spirit said, why are you disgusted with yourself? Be healthy. Take care of the temple I've loaned you, but do it because you want to honor this body, which is your responsibility while on this earth. I said, you better let me know, Abba. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Wonderful, I know that full well. 15 pounds down, I know that even if I was to never look like Serena Williams with those nice framed worked out arms, I am wonderfully made in his image, and so are you. With the Heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Hey, have you called in to share your testimony about how God has been a blessing in your life? If not, what are you, what waiting, are you waiting for? for? share is almost here. Stop whatever it is that you're doing and call 877-327-5647. God is too good for us to just sit there and not tell others about his goodness and his mercy. Simply call 877-327-5647. We can't wait to hear from you.
0: We need you to call your senators today. Tell them to put an end to the liberals filibuster, switch to a majority vote, and defund Planned Parenthood. Your call will make a difference. Call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121, or go to afaaction.net. Again, call 202-224-3121 and tell your senators to switch to a majority vote and defund Planned Parenthood. This is Fox on Justice. The Supreme
8: Court's new term begins on Monday with or without Brett Kavanaugh. The controversies over his nomination not likely to be resolved by the first Monday in October. And so the court would convene with eight justices, not nine. Already, the Kavanaugh situation has had an effect. Before they formally convene, the justices meet to discuss what cases they might take up in the coming term. But several potential cases that were originally on the list to be considered were pulled to be discussed later, presumably when the court has its full complement of nine justices. These cases include one about workplace bias based on sexual orientation, one on solitary confinement in prison and kneeling in prayer at a school football game. The court will announce the first batch of cases it will hear on Thursday. That's the same day Judge Kavanaugh goes back before the Senate Judiciary Committee to respond to allegations of long ago sexual assault. Salt with Fox on Justice Hank Weinblum Fox News
0: you can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the right now back to the show on American Family Radio and
1: Urban Family Talk
5: Welcome back to the program. Let's have some calls. We uh, have our call lines, which are open for you at 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. We are, uh, I I talked to you a little bit at the very first segment about Beto O'Rourke lying about the DUI from 20 years ago. And he's gotten four Pinocchios from one of the rating agencies that listens to media and, and, you know, tells, hey, this person's lying, this person's telling the truth. It's uh, a liberal organization, so you would think that they would, you know, toe the line for O'Rourke, but apparently DUI line about that's just a bit too much. It's number
9: two. I gave four Pinocchios today to uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's a candidate in uh, Texas Senate. For what? Uh, He was in a debate with uh, Senator Ted Cruz over the weekend, and there's a uh, drunk-driving conviction that he was involved in about almost exactly 20 years ago. And recently, the police reports came out. And they showed that he uh, tried to leave the scene of the accident. So he was asked about that in the debate. And he flatly said, I did not try to leave the scene of the accident. Now, you have his memory 20 years later, or you have police reports that document in two different places a witness saying that O'Rourke did try to leave the scene of the accident and that the witness actually had to prevent him from leaving the scene of the accident. So you you weigh those two things, and I'm going to go with the police reports.
5: So is that someone that you want representing you in Congress? Voters will have to decide. That's really it, isn't it? Um, and why lie about it? Why not just tell the truth? Hey, I did try to leave. I was drunk. That, that's that's what was going on. He was dr- driving under the influence, had an accident, tried to leave. I mean, you almost kind of just respect the whole you know if someone can just be frank if they can just say you know hey I'm this is what happened it was this long ago you know yada 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 um voters get that people get that at least maybe I'm different maybe I'm off on the side by myself with this but I just I get the whole admission and explanation better than lying and then you know that whole bit let's go to Mary in Kansas um thank you so much for calling into the show today Mary Thank you.
10: I am a 66-year-old woman that's really a hillbilly, and I've never talked like this. But Stacy on the right, you rock, girl, because oh, when thanks. you gave that speech about standing up for America and what all the people that don't want to stand up for and how they've reacted and what you said, I feel like American Family Radio, Urban Family, should tell, put that on the radio at least once a day and remind <laughs> America what we should be thanking for. And, girl, thank you. So much and God
5: bless you. oh, thank you so much, Mary. Thanks for listening. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. Maybe my producer will clip that out and we we can save it for when I'm feeling low. I tell you what, I'm I believe it. And mainly it's because I've been all over the world. Mary, if you if you ever went to Saudi Arabia and watched women walk in order of precedence behind their husband while wearing those black curtains, you get back to America and you will literally kiss that tarmac because it is A privilege. We are so free here. And I know it's the stuff I hate, Mary. It's the stuff I hate. I hate seeing women walk around with their rear ends hanging out of their shorts and, you know, a, a bra as a shirt. But, you know, we have the freedom to do that. It doesn't mean we should, but we have the freedom to do that as opposed to covering ourselves up with curtains no matter what we have on. And our husbands marrying anybody they want to, five, six women, and us having to put up with it. We have rights here. We are full citizens here along with the men. And it's just... We, we just need to love the one we're with, which is America. So thank you so much for calling in today. Um, I'm not saying what I say because I know people sometimes will email me and say, well, they pay you a lot to, to you know, say that kind of stuff. Um, really, it's irrelevant how much I'm getting paid. What is important is that these are my views and I had them before I ever worked here and they're, they're views that stand the test of time. Um, you know you don 't you don 't swear to support and defend the Constitution of this country and go a- abroad and go around the world and see uh, our our service people snuffed out we had so i I was on active duty when the Kobar towers were bombed. It was a terror attack, and the Kobar towers are in Saudi Arabia and they 're on a military installation that 's owned by the United States and we were stationed there, and I was supposed to be there on that. Second rotation. So the second rotation was over the summer. Well, I talked to my, uh, my boss at work and my, at the time, my boyfriend, who is now my husband, he was on active duty too. We lived in the same dorm. He was on the third floor. I was on the second floor. And my husband, he was my boyfriend then, he said, you know, Stacey, if you go on the rotation you're scheduled to go on, you're going to be there when it's like 115 at night. It's super hot in Saudi Arabia in the summer. And he said, what you might want to do is if there's anybody who wants to swap with you or if there becomes an opening in the next rotation in the spring from February to, you know, 90 days past that, go ahead and, and switch. And my boss said the same thing. He was like, oh, it's going to be hot when you go. And so I told him, I said, if, if there's an, another slot open for me to go in February, I'll go. And, and my husband and I, we were dating back then. We had all these plans for the summer that we were going to do fun stuff in Florida. And he was like, just, you know, see if you can switch. So I did. I listened to my then boyfriend and my boss and there was another slot that came open and I went in February. And so I did my 90 days plus two days travel there and back. We went through Iceland and I came back and I hadn't been home a month before the Kobar Towers bombing happened. The guy who lived across the hall from me, I don't even remember his name. He was new to the unit. He had just gotten there. Um, he'd, he'd gone on the rotation. He was in Kobar Towers when it was bombed and he died. And so they had to put, you know, the, they put a little notice on his door, not for anybody to, you know, try to enter it or anything. And eventually some of his family members came and, un, you know, t- took his, his personal effects out of his room. And that was it for him. He, he died in the Kobar Towers bombing. And so I don't know why, you know, things worked out the way that they did that I ended up not going on that rotation. But I remember being in Saudi Arabia on command sponsorship on active duty, and I couldn't have my collarbone showing, my wrist bone or my ankle bone. But I could go outside with my head uncovered. If I was driving a vehicle, I could drive it off base. But when I was driving it, I had to have on my military uniform and I had to have on a hat because back then women couldn't drive in Saudi Arabia. They only won that right this year in 2018. And I was there in the 90s, 96, I think it was, 1995, 1996. And I drove while I was there. I can't tell you how many times I would pull up at the stoplight driving in Saudi Arabia and some man would look over as if like... I, I know you're not driving and I would just look straight ahead and keep on driving to my destination because I had a green ID card and I was an American citizen. Now I couldn't go crazy and show my collarbone or my wrist bone because the religious police would beat me because it, I would happen to be there during Ramadan. But the fact is none of those Saudi Arabian men who would have beaten a woman senseless or stoned her to death for driving could lay a hand on me because I was an American citizen. And it was a shock to them that I knew how to drive. But, you know, of course, I've been driving since I was 18. And that's late in America. Most Americans drive from 15 on. And if you live out in the country, you start driving at 12, man or woman. And so that's just one example of what is the truth about being an American. The truth is a black woman with a high school education can drive, own property, start businesses. I can do anything I want to here. I can go from $0 to a billion dollars like Oprah Winfrey. I can do what I'm doing now. I can sit behind a microphone and get broadcast all over the country and live stream all over the world. Or I can stay home and be a stay-at-home mom and never work a day in my life because I got a good husband who'll take care of me. You can do anything in this country. You can choose to be a Christian or any other religion you want or no religion at all. No one can come and beat you with a billy club because your collarbone is showing or because you have your hair out in public. And that's just one example of the atrocities that women undergo across the globe. Yet here in this country, we have all of these so-called feminists who are really just men haters who want to make it seem as if being an American woman is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. And if I could, I'd take them on a field trip to Saudi Arabia and I'd leave them there for 94 days with nothing but a handbook to tell them how they could behave and see if they made it out alive. I guarantee you, it would be a difficult proposition because most of these feminists, they don't understand yes from no. They don't know how to follow instructions. And they certainly don't think anyone can tell them what to do. And if they showed up, if they woke up one day in Saudi Arabia, the root awakening would be their last root awakening. And those are the kind of countries that exist across the world. Yet we're here in America, walking and breathing free, shopping, going in the, the screw aisle at Lowe's. And there's like, 4 billion screws in that aisle, metric and American, and you could just go find a screw to fit anything that you want. You can find, I think it's 166 different varieties of spaghetti sauce at most grocery stores, over 200 varieties of um, salsa. I mean, the bounty of this country knows no end. And so those God-given rights that are enshrined in our constitution that we get to partake of, I just I just don't have the time. And I know it's not a Christian concept to have no patience, but I'm just being real with you here. I have no patience for people who don't love this country. And you don't have to love it or worship it. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about idolatry, but I'm talking about just being cognizant of how grateful you should be that you're an American citizen. Even if you're living in poverty, you're still in the top 5% of what people across the world are living in. If you listened to our program last week with Dr. Alex McFarland, and he talked about a billion people on this planet, don't, they can't turn a switch and get water. Most of us have more than two bathrooms. You, there are multiple rooms in your house where you can go and press a button or move something in one direction, and clean potable water comes out, and it's unlimited. No limits on how much you can use, unless you're in communist California. And I'm sorry about that. But I mean, mostly, this country's still awesome. So I don't have any tolerance for it. And we shouldn't have any tolerance for it. There should be a place where, as an American, you just acknowledge, yeah, we got problems. Yeah, we have some things we really need to work on. Yeah, we have a lot of godlessness going on here. Yeah, you know, people are going to people. But man, I sure wouldn't want to be a citizen of Sudan. I sure wouldn't want to be a citizen of Saudi Arabia, you know, sitting up all almost 51% of our citizens are overweight. You know, I mean, we just, we got it too good. It's too good for our own selves. And, and, you know, it just is what it is. So let's go to Kathy in Illinois. Thank you so much for calling the show, Kathy. Hey there, welcome to the program. Hi,
10: I just wanted to say I love your program.
5: Thank you. And honestly,
10: I wasn't going to listen to it for a long time, but I felt like God told me to listen to it, and I did, and I absolutely love it. I love our president, I love the United States of America, and I love the judge that's going to to be uh, confirmed here real shortly.
5: Amen, Kathy. Amen. I'm with you. People
10: forget that they said Trump wasn't going to win. Mm-hmm. But God put Trump in there. Mm-hmm. See, and, and you can't look—you can't look at the man, his success. I know. I just love to hear how he boasts. Mm-hmm. But at least he boasts—he boasts about our country. He loves our country. That's what I really love about him. He loves our country. And if them Republicans would just have their vote, God will put the man in there. Mm-hmm. You've got enough prayer and everything and that's what it takes. And we just need to pray that this whole thing be exposed. I think the ladies are being paid personally, but that's my personal and I don't know if they could just go have a vote. I would have a vote. If I could,
5: mm-hmm. I'd be in there.
10: They're yeah. they're wussy.
5: I hope they're listening. I hope I hope at least some of these people are listening to it because you're you're not the only one, Kathy, and you're right. If they just have the vote you know, regardless of what's happening, they'll put a stop to all of these shenanigans from the Democrats. And, and that's what should happen. Thank you for listening and, and for calling in today. Um, we have just enough time for one more caller, George in Mississippi. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for calling. All right. You're you're
1: you're hitting on some good stuff. Um, what it is, is that um, this country is something special. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of um, folks just don't understand how special it is unless they do travel. And uh, the problem is they don't travel, they don't read, and they don't pay attention to certain things. Because if you look in, um, I think it's uh, the last part, the last verse of or is it uh, Isaiah 44, In the first 13 verses of Isaiah 45, is a guy named Cyrus. He rebuilt the wall in um, Jerusalem because God touched him. And the, the Lord also said, i do doing this. He called him his anointed. He was a pagan pagan king. Now, um, the fact is that he said, I'm using him even though he don't know me. Mm. So that's the last verse in 44 Isaiah, verse 13 verses of Isaiah 45. And then Donald Trump he'll use whomever look at paul paul was killing christians and he wrote three quarters of the new testament that's how god chooses people he don't choose them the way we choose them.
5: he chooses people like us flawed individuals sinners people in need of a savior he can use anybody he can use anybody and so what can we do pray for those who are elected in authority over us amen to that george thank you for calling the show uh I would read that, but I hear the music. If you're signing off right now, God bless you from the heartland, and we'll be with you tomorrow. If you're hanging around after news and information from onenewsnow.com, we'll talk some more. Stay there.